Hey, sweet sweets, welcome back to another episode of Cupcakes and Conversation. At the table this week, we have two of my very best and dear friends. We have Sanye. Hey, girl, welcome. And we have, you want to go by Cece, Clemmy, what you want to see? We got Cece here. Sanye is actually the owner of Vibrant Creations by Sanye. And where can they find you? On my IG, you can search Vibrant Creations by Sanye on IG or Facebook. Okay. And Cece is actually starting her own business with Esthetician. So how can they locate you? You know, get that glow girl, get that facial scrub, you know, get us together. Absolutely. It's called Confident Skin. Ooh, and how can they locate you? Instagram, Confident Skin. Okay. Y'all heard that? All right. So this week is a little heavy. Um, I've been MIA for a little while on Instagram, Facebook, and life in general. And so people are wondering, like, what's going on? Where have you been? Where are the episodes? And at first, I really wasn't going to say nothing. I'm just going to jump back in with regular episodes. But with praying about it, God was like, there's healing in your testimony. So for those who look at me like I'm just so strong, I got it all together. I just deal with stuff and keep going. It's because I was trained to. But for the past almost year, I have been struggling severely. Well, I struggled severely with depression to the point to where I almost died. Um, not because I was taking my life or taking pills or drinking or anything, but because the panic attack came on so strongly one day. I heard God say as clear as day in the most angelic voice ever that if you don't get it together, your kids are going to wake up and feel the way you feel right now tomorrow. And that scared me because you hear people talk about like near death experiences or hearing God or meeting God. But in that moment when I heard his voice, it was like, how far gone am I? Like, where am I mentally? And I realized that it's just something sometimes we really, really don't talk about. Like you see TV episodes and they're like, oh, if you're suffering depression, if you have anxiety, if you're going through something, you can call <laughs> this number, um, reach out to somebody. But honestly, like how many times do we actually do that? <laughs> how many yeah, times yeah. we actually go for help? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or how many times we talk about it and not feeling like someone's going to judge me. Somebody are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to start having their opinions about me. So we what we do, we suffer in silence. Or we go back to what our grandparents taught us. You know, you give it to God. And if, if God going to work it out, he going to work out. If not, then you got to keep pushing. But it also falls back to a conversation that we had that God also placed psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors and people like that in our lives and in the atmosphere so that he trained them properly, the proper ones, on how to help us. So because you two have known me for so long, I've known you since the 11th grade. I've known Cece since, oh God, how old is Kennedy? 06, <laughs> since 09. Um, so you two have known, like, you two know some of the inner, most depths part of me that most people aren't privy to or don't know. Um, and 
this is hard for me because I never once saw myself as being depressed or a person who could get depressed. You know what I'm saying? I just thought that I always had it together. You you both know me. You know I push to the back of my head. I keep it moving, keep it going or whatever. And if it gets me down, it just gets me down. But it's like, oh, well, I got these kids to take care of. I got this husband to take care of. I got this house to take care of. I got, you know, I got to go to work. I just keep moving and moving and moving. But this time, I couldn't move. And I didn't even know I was depressed. Like, I didn't realize mentally I was checked the hell out. Like, I remember now, and it makes me want to cry, it was a morning Addison was like, Mommy, I don't have snacks for school. And I'm like, what you mean you don't have snacks for school? Like, there's stuff in the pantry. And she's like, no, it's not. And she's like, I don't want to get up early in the morning. We have to go to QT every day for me to get snacks. And I'm like, what? What? Like, y'all know me. My, my pantry stays. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> so I get up and I go look. And it was probably like two bags of Cheetos. In my pantry, there was no juices. Like, it was just nothing in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how long has it been like this? You know? And Belfon was like, you ain't cooked in months. <laughs> like, you ain't, you just ain't been yourself. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to approach you or say nothing. So, you know, I go to the store, get what I can for the kids, what I think they'll like, you know, make sure they eat. I didn't even realize I had not fed my kids. I don't know what my children ate. Thank God he was there. And I have a 15-year-old and a he was 13 at the time. But I don't couldn't tell you what my children were eating on a daily basis. I know that I was getting up and taking them to school. I knew that part. I knew I was going to work. I knew that part. But anything else outside of that, I could not, like, relate to. I couldn't. <clears throat> I didn't remember that period. And I remember... The day that it happened, I was on the couch and I was like, babe, you got to call somebody. Like, I feel like I'm about to die. Like, I can't, I was like, I can't describe what's going on. Something's wrong. I feel like I'm about to die. And he was like, like, who do you want me to call? Like, what's wrong? What's going on? Why are you feeling this? I'm like, I don't know. I can't explain it. But something inside of me is like, I'm about to die. And I called my therapist and she didn't answer. And literally two minutes later, my spiritual mom, Dr. Monique McMillan, called me and she said, little girl, sit up. You're not dying today. And I was like, what? (laughs) And she was like, you're not dying today and you're not taking that nap because if you take this nap, you're not waking up. So we we finna sit up and talk. You want to breathe? You want to talk? And mind you, I just heard that voice from God five minutes before that, which was why I called my my, my therapist, my, my crisis counselor. And she didn't answer. And then my spiritual mom called. And I just kept, I just, I just broke down crying. And she was like, let's talk about it. Like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I feel like I haven't dealt with my dad's death. Like, he just died. And when he died, that's when the pandemic first started. So I was just going through life. You know, I didn't realize that he was gone up until that his one-year death rolled around last March. And that's when things shifted for me. And she was like, no, you're you, you not grieving. It's depression, but it's something else. And I was like, well, what else could it be? Like, you know, I'm parentless. Like, what else is it? And she was like, it's guilt. And I was like, guilt for what? You know, like, what do I feel guilty for? 
And then it began to make sense that I was feeling guilty, but I was also so far into my depression that then I began to feel guilty about the depression. So like everything just like piled into one. And it was like, I just, I couldn't identify like with my own self. And I didn't know who to call or who to talk to because I couldn't get my words together. Like Sanye was calling me, people were calling me and I was just ignoring phone calls because it was like, what do I say when they call? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what am I giving them? I don't even have anything to give myself. I don't have anything to give kids. So what am I going to give to a friend? And I know that I have people in my life who genuinely love me. But if you've ever been so depressed that you don't identify with yourself, you don't know how to give anything to anybody else. And so it was at that time that I also realized that so many people were just like, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it. But I got to the point where I couldn't even pray. Like, I didn't even know what to go to God about. Like, what am I going to, what am I supposed to say? Like, I would sit there and I had nothing. I would listen to my gospel music and wouldn't feel anything. Like, nothing was coming in my spirit. And I was just like, what's going on? Like, what, it, like, what is this? You know, like, what, what, what am I feeling? And so when I finally talked to my therapist, she was like, we need to break some stuff down. Let's start categorizing, like, feelings and emotions. And I'm just like, what do you mean categorizing them? Like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, I'm depressed. I don't know what else to tell you. And she was like, but there are levels to your depression. What has brought this on? And I'm like, I don't know. But for so long, because we're taught to pray, we're taught to deal with stuff. Well, I am. I'm taught to deal with stuff on my own. All I knew was to deal with it on my own. So here it is. She's trying to help me. And I can't receive her help because this is not the norm for me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I know you're my therapist. And I talk to you, you know, when something's going wrong with my marriage, when the issues with blending a family, with forgiving, you know, my ex and stuff like that. But how do you want me to break down and categorize, like, what I'm feeling right now? And she was like, until you're ready to break this down so we can start unpeeling these layers, you're going to continue on this path. And I was like, okay. So then I was like, God, like, what is this? You know, this is, this is new. Like, I'm 39 years old at the time. And I was, well, 39. I'm like, no one's ever asked me you know, like to break this down. Yeah, I was in counseling when my mom died because my mom was dead, you know. Yeah, I went to counseling after the abuse with my aunt because I was abused, you know. Yeah, I went to counseling when I had my first child because I didn't know what healthy discipline was. But I don't recall ever anyone just talking to me about Kia, about things that I've been through, things that I've dealt with, things that I've packed for so long that they're just a part of me. It's like waking up, wash your face, brush your teeth, wash your behind. It's just, they come with me. And how you see like those, um, you see those um, monograms of people like you carrying all this baggage. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It got to the point where it felt like my baggage was part of my regular weight. Right. <clears throat> you know, like I didn't even know that there was baggage. It's because normal. It was my norm. It was to wake up, get up, you know, I go, the baggage goes. I didn't realize how much was behind me. And then I realized, had I not had this break, at what point was it going to be 
you need to talk to somebody. You know, because people always talk about if you're suicidal. But depression is not always suicide. It's not. Depression is not always taking pills. Depression is not always reverting to alcohol, drugs, smoking weed, you know, pop block. Like, that's not always what depression is. And sometimes that's all that we know because that's all that we hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you have thoughts of killing yourself, call this number. Right. You know, if you have thoughts of harming somebody else, call this number. But what about when you really just don't have any thoughts? Right. What about when you're scared of your own thoughts? Right. Just because. Not that you're hearing voices, but you just don't even know how to process your everyday normal life. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I know that being in the medical field as CC and I are, that God has placed all these different professions for a reason. Mm-hmm. But why don't we use them? Like, why is it so uncommon for people to just be like, I need help. I need to talk to somebody. I need you. You know what I'm saying? You need me. Like, why is it just like we just have to carry around so much on our own? And really, we don't have to. But why aren't we made or why don't we feel safe to, you know what I'm saying, get help or talk to anybody? For me, I think it's um, we're conditioned. Um, even if when we worked together, everyone knew everyone's business. Mm-hmm. If you have depression, it's frowned upon. You're not strong. You can't handle certain things. So we condition ourselves to be able to handle it and push ourselves to a limit. And sometimes that limit becomes a point where, where do I go from here? Or mm-hmm. moms, or spouses, aunts, uncles, all of the above. And then we forget about ourselves in the process. I'm sorry. We forget about ourselves in the process. Healthcare, we give so much of ourselves. Yep. And then you stop and say, well, dang, I forgot about me. I forgot that what I need matters. And we have to tell our spouses, tell our supervisors, be very candid. We can no longer hide the things that we're dealing with because we're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. You can't suffer in silence anymore. It has to be that voice. Depression is a silent killer, and too many people are losing their lives because of this. Right. Because we don't want to tell anybody. Well, when you get to that point where you can't talk to God, it's because your prayer is clouded. Mm-hmm. You believed in him, and you believed those things wouldn't happen because I came to you and I prayed. Right. But here I am. Dealing with it. With your death, is cumulative. I lost five people in six months. I had to sign, do not resuscitate. Oh, God. Then I had to sign my own baby's death. Mm-hmm. Those are cumulative deaths where you don't even know where to start. start. Who do I process first? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, even for me, it just hit me. And I broke. I couldn't go back to work. I couldn't do do anything. Like, everybody relies on you. Who do you rely on? You got a thousand people that you can communicate with. She might say this. Oh, she might think that. But she think I'm like this. Who cares now? Right. You matter. So going seeking help. It can't be taboo anymore. It can't. It has to be. I need help first. Mm-hmm. If I can't function to take care of my babies, to take care of my job, to have a job, who's going to do it for me? Because we're so used to just doing. Mm-hmm. I broke last year, and I went on FMLA. I lost three babies, twisted organs, tired body septic, and I lost myself. I had to say, who the heck are you, Clemmie? I've gained all this weight. I'm on hormone therapy a lot. 
Who am I? Who am I now? My kids are fed. Sometimes I just sit in the same spot. Mm-hmm. My spouse has, hey, let's go to the gym. I don't really want to go to the gym. Mm-mm. It's not, it's not. Mm-mm. They can be the best support in the world, but they still can't help you. Right. right. They cannot help you. You can have a praying mama, cousin, sisters, and that still don't be enough. Right. You can buy me, drip me out. That's not enough. Right. What we need is understanding. Amen. And that we have to take baby steps in our process. There are layers that you have to peel over and say, okay, God, where do I start? I stopped therapy because we just kept cycling the same thing, and I didn't want to hear it after a while. But then it was like, wait a minute, there's a root to each one of these issues. And sometimes it can be one thing. Abandonment. Mm-hmm. Big time. Abandonment can make you feel some kind of way. If I die today, I'm abandoning my kids. I felt that. I don't want my kids to feel that. That's guilt. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I died in a hospital and I had a blood clot last year, COVID, I'm in there by myself just looking sulking. At walls, yeah. Looking at walls while Travis is taking care of kids. And I didn't tell anybody these things. I'm just a private chick. Mm-hmm. So for me even to come to this, it was like, ooh, 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 people's going to know my truth. Who cares at this point? Because I'm still standing. Right. We forget to thank our bodies for the things that we've gone through. Amen. Right. I said, dang, I lost that, that, that. I look at all my scars all over me, all these laparoscopics. And I said, but I survived. Right. And you're still here. I'm still here. Dysfunctionally. But we're here. But I'm here. So we have to stop and tell ourselves, thank you for withstanding so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Clemmy. Thank you, Kia. Thank you, Sonia. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I might not be in the same place with God as I was. But I'm working here. on it, God. Right. But mm-hmm. we're working on it. And I'm still here. And as long as you're still in the fight trying, yeah. that's what I'm learning that matters. Because we're a work in progress. It is a working. I say hashtag under construction. Right. I like I'm that. I'm under construction. <laughs> and if you can't handle that, I'm under construction. You don't need me. You don't need because me. if you cannot love me at my worst, you will never be at a word with your best. You can't be, be with me at my best. You can't. You won't be on my level. And I've come to terms. If I have to make a lot of people in my silence while I get better. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't understand and you should not get me. Mm-hmm. Because we can so many times say what we need, what we need. And we sound like a broken, a broken record, record. And it's repetitive. It's repetition. Oh, my God. I heard the same thing you did. Right. But did you listen? Right. Did you listen to the things that I needed? Right. Did the people listen to the things that you needed? You have to think about that, though. But that's that's real. For me, something that I see is that the era that we were born in, we're taught to keep it in our household. Mm -hmm. We're taught to not share. And we go through things and we don't share. So probably that person that can help you that's been through that, you'll never get an opportunity for them to tell you their story. Because you're... You don't know because you didn't share. Yep. You couldn't, you didn't give anybody the opportunity to, to tell you their story, to help you heal. We just, it's like, and I think sometimes with the kids being a single parent, it's like you have this, you have this cape on your back. And no matter what circumstances, you're not to remove that cape. Right. The kids say, I need you here. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And sometimes we hear them saying it, 
but our body doesn't realize we're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. We're taking care of it. We're busy with our lives of being a parent, being worker bees, and taking care of everything else that, exactly what you say, we're in the background. Mm-hmm. We're suffering in the silence. Like, I tell people all the time, I don't care what nobody say over the years, I've realized PTSD is so real. It is. It's so real. I remember talking to my doctor one time, like, I'm in this box, and it's just closing in. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that it's going to close all the way. And then what happens to my children? Yep. Because they're, they're always our first thing. So always our first thing. We move, we move. We don't know how to say Baby, I can't do it today. I just can't fit it in a schedule. Maybe we can deal with it next week. We just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just do it. I mean, I remember being I remember being 17, you know, and being raped, but was afraid to tell my parents. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to hurt them. Yep. And it's like, I was the one that was hurting, though. Yeah. But I was afraid to hurt them. And, you know, you look at it as you get older and stuff, you think about it, it was like, that wasn't the right decision. But right. you can't go back you and turn go it back around. And change it. Yeah. You can't go back and turn it around. We just, we're stuck on the things. And sometimes we got to say, I'm not okay. Yeah. Yes. We got to be able to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest thing sometimes is to say is like, I'm not okay. But where I'm at now, it's like I have to say I'm not okay. You have to. Like, I can't be afraid or worried what someone else is going to say. I'm not okay. Right. And if that means that I have to ask and depend on somebody else to love on my babies in that moment, I have to allow them. Mm -hmm. And that's my hardest struggle because growing up without my mom— and being put in the position I was in when she died, it was like my children would never feel this. Right. They would never know what it feels like not to be loved. They would never know what it feels like not to have anyone to have their back. They would never know what it feels like not to be able to come home and cry in someone's arms. They would never feel abandoned. They would never feel like they don't have anyone to fight their battles. But if I don't tell you or somebody that I'm not okay, they're going to be me. Right. And that's the cycle that I wanted to break. Generational right. curse. But I realized I can't be super mom all Mm -hmm. the time. Right. And sometimes it hurts when I have to be like, okay, well, I know you guys really want to go, but mommy can't do it today. Like, can we try tomorrow? Like, I'm tired. I worked all day. I just need a moment to myself. And at first, my kids were like, what? Like, you can't lay down when you get back? Or can you take a quick nap? And then we go. And the hardest thing is for me to tell them no. Because I feel like I'm all that they have. Do they know their father? Yes, they do. Is he accessible? Yes, he is. But I'm the parent. I'm the one who drops everything and anything for them all the time. And because I'm afraid that the moment I say no, I put Kia's childhood back on my children's childhood, I become scared. And it's like, okay, like you said, back it up. Let's, Let's go. Right. I'll deal with it later. But then I'm driving and I'm zoned out. And it's like, what happens if I'm zoned out when my baby's in my car and something happens? I would never forgive myself. So now I have to tell them, like, look, 
mommy is going through it. Or I tell my youngest, I'm like, Addison, I'm sad today. And it's okay to be sad. Absolutely. But I have to work through why I'm sad so I can be better for you. And I have to teach them. But I also realize in my depression that I have taught my cat, my child, my oldest, how to compress her feelings. Because I realized that I'm always telling her, like, get over it. It's going to be okay. It's not that serious. Like, it's going to be all right. But I've done that so much that she can't even find her own feelings. Because all she's taught is to bury them and be okay. And it hurt because she came to me and was like, Mommy, I'm not you. I can't bury my feelings. Like, I have to talk about it. Like, Mommy, I'm hurting. And when she said that, I couldn't understand her. Because I never had that opportunity. No one ever gave me that. I could never say, I'm not okay. I can never say, I can't handle this. Even when I sometimes I talk to my aunts or my family, then I realize, and I did this one day on purpose. You all know my Aunt Carol. Mm-hmm. Y'all know. Great, great. And one day I called her, and I was talking to her about something, and she was like, well, Kia, you just going to have to, you know, get over it. You got you to gotta figure it out. And it was in a moment that I was like, Auntie, I've been hearing this my whole life, my entire life, and your life too. That all we hear is pray about it, get over it. How are we going to figure this out? Now I put this on my child. But the blessing is that she's only 14. Right. She's not 39. So I have time to help her to understand that. Let's talk about it. My son is so closed off. It's like, Roman, let's talk about it. Like, you don't have to sit in your room. You don't have to go and indulge yourself in these games. Like, let's talk about it. Like, it's okay. You know, it's all right to cry. It's okay to be upset. Yeah, it's It's, okay. It's okay. And it's like he's slowly coming around. You know what, Addison is just like, okay. Like she's a little, she's more like me, but sometimes it's still like, Addison, what's wrong? Nothing. It's okay, mommy. It's really okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. Stop saying that it's okay because your feelings matter. Right. It doesn't matter how small whatever happened, happened. It matters. Like, you matter. Let's stop doing that. Let's, let's talk about it. But it's still, it's a struggle. Right. At nine years old, she struggles to have to be able to tell how she's feeling. Like you said, without being judged, without... Saying that, oh, well, maybe you'll be mad at me or daddy's going to be mad at me or this person's going to be mad at me. And I'm like, F that. I don't care who's mad. We need to talk about it. We can deal with that later. You know, even with me, I'm like, Addison, I'm not going to be mad. I just want to know what's going on so I can help you. And and, And for her, it's like, you promise? Like, I put that on my kids so much that they thought that it wasn't okay that it's like, you promise you're not going to get mad? Like, mommy, I got to come to you and talk to you. But can you just listen first? Like, I got my kids to that point, And I'm like, dang. But you can't. You can't down yourself for that. Because I have a three-year-old and I have a seven-year-old. So they both are at two different levels two different of seeing places. me at this place. And I had to learn through counseling that you have to allow yourself to feel those emotions. KT comes to me in 2.2 seconds. They can feel that energy of the parent, and they'll say, you okay? And I've yeah. said that, too. I'm not, 
I'm not okay, but you have to allow them to know what's going on so they can know mommy's having a bad day. They will dry my tears. Right. They will get me water, cover me up. You want me to light the candle for you? They will do those things because they know, okay, we hear for our mother. You have to allow your kids to be there. It doesn't matter an age for someone to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Right. These babies love you, feel you. But in that same sense, I'm going to reel it back. I think you was talking about Kennedy. We can't down ourselves for what we didn't know. Right. That is something you were taught. Now you're trying to break that cycle and say, okay, I can still fix this. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're trying to fix it is the issue, Kia. Quit doubting yourself. Quit downing yourself. But you also, I had to learn. I had all these people. I can't hear nothing. I had all these people that wanted to be there for me when I was dealing with everything. And I never took my mother-in-law. I never took my mom and I tried to do it all myself. And that's when I broke. And you're like, well, dang, I really do need these people. You need to utilize your resources instead of saying, no, they can't do it better than me. Mm-hmm. That's where I was at. Nobody can take, Travis can't do it better than I can. Right. He don't know the Washington dishes. Mm-hmm. No, but they can. It may not be the way Kia would do it or Sanye would do it, but it's getting done. Right. It's getting we done. do deep cleaning. Yeah. Okay. They straighten <laughs> we up. Can, we can go back and pick it up, right? We they deep clean. Up, you know what I'm saying? We, they, they straighten we up. They back. tidy. You know? But it's the fact <laughs> yeah. that they're trying to help. So yeah. you have to stop and say, I'm going to allow him to help. Here's that olive branch. Take it when you're given that opportunity. You might not want to hit up the X, but sometimes you need that space to say, I just need space. I'm using cold words. Mm-hmm. Chocolate, Travis. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. Right. I'm going downstairs and I just need to zen the heck out. Mm-hmm. We don't need to snap on them babies. It is hard because we're a rave emotions that are going on. Get a cold word. Get a cold word with the kids. They know that if that cold word is said by mommy, she just needs a little break before. But you definitely need to talk to them. They, they said it's not hard because I was like, I, just, I don't want babies. Why not? Why not allow your babies to know what's going on? Right. Right. Depression's hereditary. We don't know where it came from. Exactly. So if they're not aware, they won't be aware to know. My baby deals with anxiety. She's a high performer. She gets stressed. KK just be flipping out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, pause. Let's breathe. Let's do some variable breathing. Mm-hmm. We have to meet each child where they are because they're all individuals. They are. I have eight siblings, and I don't know how mm-hmm. my mama was calm with us, but she can meet everybody where, where they're they at. Are. She can. Mm-hmm. She can. So that's why we have to say, okay, I need to meet Roman where he's at because he's kind of excluding himself. I need Kennedy. She's more my emotional one. And then I have a nonchalant one. Mm-hmm. Taste mm-hmm. my nonchalant. I could pop her butt and she'd be like, okay. Kaylin, you look at her the wrong way. She might start crying. Right. <laughs> we have to meet people where they are. You meet friends where they are. But everybody can't be in that space. You're right. That's a sacred space that if you take what I'm giving you, this information that is so vital and so important to me and near and dear to my heart, can't do it. That's when it comes to the point where you say, everybody can't ride this wave. They can't. And I realized that with the depression. I I thank God for it, but I realized like who my real friends were. Mm-hmm. I remember it was a day like I was having like the worst day and Clemmy sent me a text message and it just had <laughs> hearts on it and she was like, don't respond. Just tell me what color heart you at. 
And she did that like a couple times. And she didn't want nothing. She wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, and she's one of my close friends. I don't really care if she calls me nosy. But she wasn't calling to be nosy. She was really just like Checking a in. mental check. Like right. when's the last time someone checked on you? Right. And then one day I remembered I sent it to her. And as much as I wanted to respond back to it, I knew that it was just for me to say, like, I'm checking on you. Mm-hmm. But I refer to that heart chart that you gave me for me all the time because it's like that's how I gauge, like, where I'm at and for me to say I'm not okay today. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never dealt with anxiety. I've never been on edge. But for the past year, I have been. So this is something different for right. me. Like, anxiety panic attacks like what, what the hell like right. this 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 ain't me mm-hmm. right. I don't know how to function in this but I'm thankful to God that I'm learning how to function in this and I remember when I was talking to Sanye it was like Kia I didn't know and she thought I was mad at her but I was like Sanye I couldn't even be a friend to you right. like I couldn't even like I didn't even know what to say like Unless it was work calling, I wasn't answering. All my children, all Belfond, because they're going to call me 500 times, so I answer. So I might as well answer their calls on the first time. Mm-hmm. But anybody else, I wasn't talking to. And I realized then who my friends were. Because for everyone who always depended on me to be there, it was very few who just said, I love you. Right. I'm thinking of you. I'm checking on you. Are you okay? Those are people that I want in my life. Right. And even when I didn't respond, it was still another text, maybe a week or two later, mm-hmm. like, I'm just checking in on you. Like, you good? What's going on? Those are the people I need around me. Because right. even when I couldn't say anything, it was no judgment. Right. And when I was able to talk, for those who cared, you could tell they cared. But for the ones who were, why didn't you say nothing? Trick, didn't I just tell you I couldn't talk? Exactly. Like, didn't I just tell you... I couldn't even conversate with God. So if I can't have a conversation with God, what makes you think I can have a conversation with you? Right. The only people I was having conversations with was my therapist. That was it. And I used to hear people, and they'd be like, well, I'm going to see my therapist two, three times a week. And I'd be like, well, dang, what you got going on? You got to go. But then that was me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was four times a week. Right. Like, I'm going to pay the money. I'm going because I need it. So then I was like, God, forgive me for not understanding why certain people need more than others. Because if anyone's heart and soul is as heavy as mine, I ask for forgiveness. Right. Because you never know what somebody is dealing with. And I heard some I heard this pastor preacher say last night, the realest. One of the realest things I've heard, she said, you don't realize that your pop-off can make somebody kill themselves. Yeah. You don't realize that that kiss my ass F you mm-hmm. mentality you give to people can make them take those pills. Might be their last break. Right. And they're like, you don't know what somebody is dealing with. But what you know is that you was having a bad day, so you decided to give somebody else your bad day. But their bad day may have been the last day of their life. Right. And you don't even know them. It could be somebody in the grocery store, and they bump into you, and instead of you just saying, oh, I'm sorry, you okay? you like, watch where the hell you going. You don't see this? And now they feel like, I still can't do nothing right, so let me go home and take my life. And that's real, because that's where I was. 
it was like the smallest pop off was like, I'm going to have to pop you. Or let me go back home and hide again because I'm still not like I, I felt like I wasn't ready for the world. You know what I'm saying? Like I got to hide from it. So and the for today, I just want all of my sweet sweets to understand, like, it's okay. Yes. Like, it's okay to not be okay. It's definitely okay to not be okay. Not to know how you feel. Just So if you all had to leave the listeners with, like, one thing, what would it be? Definitely to utilize your resources. And in that process of utilizing them, allow them to know where you are. Be transparent. Because if you don't tell somebody you need help, you won't get help. For me, just to know that if you're not okay, you can't be okay for anybody else. You can't be there for anybody else if you're not good. It's okay to say, I'm not okay. And it's okay to say, I need a minute. Just give me a second. Mm-hmm. To go in a room and just sit and just think. Just give me five minutes to take a breath. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. A bad day doesn't equal a bad life. Um, a bad moment doesn't equal a bad day. And as you said, it's okay to utilize resources. No one's going to ever do it the way that we do it, but it's help. It's okay to be selfish and say, I need a moment, or use a, as you mentioned, a, a, a cold word. But most importantly, it's okay to say, I'm not okay. Okay. It's okay to say, I need help. And you can say you're not okay unashamed and unapologetically because you verbalizing that you're not okay is saying that I love myself enough to say I want to help myself. The Bible does say when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God hears even when we don't have words. So if all that you have is God, he hears it. And if there's some that don't have a relationship with God, it's still okay. But get help, seek help, ask for help. And unfortunately, if you are at the point to where you feel like you can't go on, please reach out to a crisis hotline. I know one of the numbers is 1-800-715-4225. But know that you're not alone and there's somebody out there who's battling the same thing that you are and your testimony could be their healing.